So before we get into this, a couple things on the week ahead. Uh, you are warmly invited to come back Thanksgiving Eve, 6 o'clock here. Uh, we will have our Thanksgiving Eve service. Uh, very fun, a uh, little bit quieter type of service, but um, it's a really great time to be together here and uh, just express our thankfulness to God. And then next week will be uh, the Philia's final Sunday here before we move. And that one, uh, I don't think I'm preaching that day, but we'll do some different things and it'll be... I think it'll be more of a praise-oriented uh, service, so uh, don't miss that either. Um, even if you're in a turkey coma, wake up and get out here, okay? Um, <laughs> come on out. All right. So um, I know every sermon, uh, pastors are told you're supposed to uh, give a very great attention getter, give people a reason to listen. But after six years, if you can't find a reason to listen, I'm not going to help you this morning with it, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You should know by now. So would you grab a Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 3? Philippians chapter 3. Maybe the real reason is I know I've got a lot to say and I want to get, I want to, get to it. I really want to get to it. Philippians chapter 3. This is the hardest thing. I'm telling you. I was at a... Okay, so years ago when I was doing a church plant thing, we, we were, we were going to close that thing down because uh, of some conflict things that were going on. And, and the last four weeks, you felt like you were preaching at your own funeral. It was horrible, you know. I don't quite feel that way today. I feel better about this, all right. But um, uh, Philippians, you know, I was thinking, where am I going to preach, you know, on this farewell message? Like, what am I going to say? And even Tuesday morning, I was meeting with other pastors in this area. And, and they all asked me, like, well, what are, what are you preaching, Niall? And I was like, I, I really don't know, which is really odd. You know, usually by Monday, I have a pretty good outline going and I, I really didn't until Tuesday afternoon. So when I read Philippians 3, though, I knew this had to be it. Like, like, it was just like, you just, just knew. And so I want to read, starting earlier in chapter 3, but verse 13 is going to be where we land today. So if you would look back, um, if you would look back at like verse 4, but knowing that we're going to land on 13 to come. Here's Paul talking about his uh, past. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, Indeed, I count everything as loss for the, of the surpassing, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God, in Christ Jesus. 
I'm going to read 13 and 14 again. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, um, a few things here before we get into it. Uh, first of all, you notice we talked about Paul's, uh, his pedigree, his, his past, and, and, and he kind of boasts about all these things that, that uh, would be normally boasting, except at the end he says, you know, even though I was, I was kind of like a faultless Pharisee, like I was one of those guys that I obeyed the law to at every single point that I could, even to the point of I persecuted the church, which he's not very proud of now, but at the time it seemed like really great. But then he says, I'm counting all that stuff loss. It's all rubbish. It's all garbage. It's all dung. It's all, you know, it's all of that. Because I want to know Christ. Compared to Christ, all of, all that stuff in my past is like nothing. And then he says, so, and then he says, um, he wants to know Christ. And then he comes to 13. I, I don't consider that I've already made it my own, you know, so he's not there yet. And some people look at this and you go, well, why does he talk like that? Why does he say, somehow I may attain to the resurrection of the dead? Is, is, he, is he questioning his faith? Is he, is he doubting that he's actually going to make it? And of course, I don't, I don't think it's like that at all. I, I don't think this is a matter of questioning. It, it's more like questing. It's like he's running a race and he's, he's saying, I, I just, I've got to get to the finish line with my faith intact. I've got to make it to the end. And so there's this, there's this humility that Paul has. He's like, I'm not there yet. I don't know Christ fully. I haven't been fully transformed by him. I have not been made perfect yet. But, 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 but I'm on the way. I'm running the race. So then he says, okay, so, so just so you know, this, this whole passage, this is about, uh, big word, sanctification. It's about sanctification. It's about becoming more like Jesus, or sometimes we just like to say spiritual growth. To sanctify something is to make it holy. Are you growing in your sanctification? Theologians call that progressive sanctification, that you become more and more and more like Christ as you grow. So knowing that he's talking about growing, knowing that he's talking about you know, running a race, he says, there's one thing that I'm going to do. This is verse 13. This is what grabbed my attention. He says, I'm going to do one thing. So, so you think about this. If, if, if someone like Paul says, when it comes to growing spiritually, if you would just do this one thing, like sign me up, I'll do that one thing. He says, Forgets what, forget what's behind you and strain forward to what's ahead. Now you say, that's two things. And it is. Two participles. Only a great preacher could say, I've got one thing to tell you and then give you two things. You know, just put it out there. Just saying, he's a great preacher, you know. Like when they say, I'm wrapping this up and it's another 20 minutes and you're kidding, you're going, what is going on? He lied. The pastor lies, you know. It's not, it's not one more thing. It's 20 minutes of one more thing, you know. I remember that growing up. Um, <laughs> man. So uh, I've got a few more things, all right. So that, that'll, that'll take us a while. But, but, but I love this. He said, there's one thing we're going to do. We're going to forget what's behind and we're going to strain forward to what's ahead. Again, it's a running analogy. The idea is you're running a race, and, and you can't look backwards. You can't run backwards. You've got to stare forwards. You've got to have your eyes on the finish line, your eyes on Christ. That's what he's saying. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, well, okay, so we're doing a lot of driving in, in, in my family, you know, and, and the kids are getting that old, right? 
And so, you know, what, do you, what is it you always tell your kids when you're teaching them to drive? Keep your eyes on the road, right? Keep your eyes on the road, which means you can't look at me. Even if I'm talking to you, you can't look over at me. I want you to look forward, and that's the same idea. I want you to do one thing, keep your eyes on the road, which means you can't look over here, right? You, you can't do that. So the idea is I have to forget what's behind so that I can look ahead. It's one thing. But he's using two uh, participles to describe it, forgetting and, and, and straining, okay? So I want to talk about both of them. I want to talk about one thing, and I'm going to do it in two points, all right? Actually, I'm doing three points. I'm going to outdo Paul, okay? I got three points. Whew, man. Um, okay, so uh, let's say it like this, first of all. Um, let's say uh, if we, okay, if we, are, if we are looking forward then that means our faith is a future-oriented faith. I hope you would agree with me on that. We look into the future in our faith. We're not a backwards-looking people primarily. Now, I know during communion we do look back at Christ's death, right? I mean, we, we look back every month, right? And hopefully a lot more than that when you think about what Christ has done for you. But if Jesus stayed dead, if there is no resurrection, then we would be primarily a past kind of faith. We would be a uh, uh, behind-looking faith. That would be what we would be. If, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, that's how it would be. But if Christ does rise from the dead, which we believe that he does, and he did, then we are a forward-looking faith. We're, we're future-oriented because if he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, I'm going to rise from the dead too one day, and that keeps my eyes looking forward. We are a forward-focused faith. So, um, before we get too far into that, though, let me say this. Number one, I think this is worth saying. We are not talking about a literal forgetfulness, okay? When he says, I forget what's behind, he doesn't mean I I am oblivious. You know, I I forgot what I did yesterday. It's not literally forgetting. He doesn't mean it like that because remembering can be beneficial, If he was really meaning be oblivious, kids, that's your big word for the day, by the way, oblivious. Just don't use it about your parents, okay? They they may forget that you misbehaved yesterday. They may actually be oblivious, but don't call them that, okay? Um, He's not saying be oblivious. Uh, If he was, he would never have repeated, you know, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews and the Pharisee. He wouldn't have remembered any of that because it would be out of his mind, right? Um, He wouldn't have written to Timothy and said in, uh, in 2 Timothy, I recall your tears. Remember when we laid hands on you, Timothy? So fan into flame the gift of God. We, we did that earlier this month. You know, he would never have talked like that if you're not supposed to remember stuff. Joshua wouldn't set up rocks if you're not supposed to remember stuff. Psalms wouldn't repeat Israel's history over and over and over again if we weren't supposed to remember. There'd be no point of Passover in the Old Testament if we weren't supposed to remember. We wouldn't take communion if we weren't supposed to remember. We're supposed to remember. Happens all the time. Paul says, I remember your labor of love. I think he says that to the Colossian church, right? He remembers it. So it's not a literal forgetfulness. Remembering can be very helpful. This is why you take your camera with you on vacations. It's okay. You can take pictures. You want to remember what it looked like there, what you did that day, where you were at. You want to remember those things. It's a good thing to have those memories on video or on camera. I personally have 
some very fond memories of this church. And I'm not going to forget them, because that's not what Paul means here. Can I, can I tell you a few of them? I wrote them down. Um, I love cross-training. I, I hope you have gotten a chance. I mean, I, I will always take that with me, cross-training. I mean, I, I've seen things shared in cross-training, like hard things, stuff from people's past, and, and they just share it freely here because it's a safe place. Um, I think about cross-training, and I think about the things that I learned in that. Like every week I learn from you all. And that's pretty great when the pastor can say, I went to church and I taught the people, and then they taught me. You know, that's a great thing to be able to say. I also love uh, seeing quiet people speak up. You know who you are, and I won't name you by name. I love seeing the quiet people speak up at cross-training because they've got to say something. I love that. And you that shared a lot, well, you know who you are too. So, you know. Um, just, just kidding, just kidding. I have loved working with every board chairman here. Can I say that? It's true. It's true. I started with uh, Neil. Then it was Dave. Dave's good to see you here today, right? You know, are you back? Yeah, there you are. Okay. I know where you're at. Um, uh, <laughs> and then Bill and then Andy. Like, so, so here's the thing about board chairmen and pastors. You meet outside of the board meeting and you talk through how the meeting's going to go. And maybe even more, you talk about how you're doing personally and how the chairman is doing personally, spiritually. And, and, and I have things from all of those years, those times of sitting down and having those conversations. And it's, and it's amazing that, that none of us were ever like just agenda focused. Like we've got to go through the board agenda. There was always that, how are you doing? Um, I could talk about my accountability breakfast at Bob Werner's house. He makes a good mean breakfast, I tell you. Melissa does too. Really good. Um, and, and the things we talked about, the prayers that were prayed at that table, the awkward conversations, they're really good. I highly recommend. Melissa's looking down right now. I'm killing her. I'm just killing her. It's true. It's just true. All right? Um, <laughs> lunches with the longs, those are really good, right? I mean, spending time out there and, and getting counsel, getting good feedback. Um, you guys never... Never uh, coming down hard on me. It was always good. <laughs> um, what else can I say? Um, I loved, I loved the, uh, the interpersonal conflicts that were resolved in this building, sometimes at people's homes. Uh, some of them were in the library right over there. I've seen some things that uh, you have not seen, and, and it was Christ reconciling people. And I've always said this, and I will continue to say this. When you see two people reconcile, they were at odds. It's the closest thing I have felt to, like, holy ground. When you see forgiveness granted, and you know it was because Christ intervened, I mean, that, that's amazing. And you say, blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, be a peacemaker, and you will see some things. And you will praise Christ for it. Um, there's some fun things, you know, Packer games at the West House. There was a string of Packer games that they won. And Al and I, I think, Al, are you here? You're here somewhere, right? So you were playing earlier. Um, uh, but, but we would, yeah, we would, um, we would like wear, uh, like our sweatshirts week after week because we thought there was some sort of luck involved in it, you know? And they were on a string of wins. And then they lost and we're like, it's time to burn the sweatshirts, you know? It was over. It was over. 
Uh, I'm not superstitious, but there was something going on back then. I'm just just putting it out there because uh, I haven't worn them this season, and the, you know you see how it's going, right? Man, you're killing me. Every time I sit down to watch a game, I'm saying they're going to break my heart tonight. They're going to break my heart, um, and they do, and they do. Um, uh, get your feet wet Sunday, now called Maple Lake Sunday, is a favorite time. Uh, that was born out of when, when Leah Rayberg was his secretary. She came up with that idea. And it never actually played out the way it was supposed to, and I'm sorry. Um, I never got in the boat. I never got in the boat and taught. Um, that, was your, that was her original idea. I would get in the boat like Jesus and teach, you know. But we're like, how do you put the sound system out there? Do I yell? You know, how does that, how does that work? If I fall in the water with the sound system, I die. Insurance company probably wouldn't like that. You know, not not good. But um, that Sunday was incredible, and, and I, I continue to love it. I just I just love being in the community, whether it's you know out by uh, out by the Aqua Devil spot or whether it's in town here. Um, just a really really great Sunday, and something that I have grown uh, to really love. Um. I was on a roll there. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I remember baptisms. I'm not going to name you all because uh, Paul says I'm not supposed to do that, right, in 1 Corinthians 1. Um, I don't remember who I baptized, you know. But um, I, I do remember those, and those were special. Um, I remember praying about a conflict once with, with a bunch of guys that was starting to spill over, I felt like, into the church. And then and it just seemed like God just, like, took care of it. It just, like, was just, like, stifled. I remember thinking, wow, that was better than me even having to talk to anybody. I just talked to God about it, you know, and it just kind of smoothed out. Um, I'll, I'll never never forget that. Um, hmm. I remember funerals. Um, and every time you sit down, I mean, with a family that's grieving and you know that you're hearing things about the family because you're their pastor and what a privilege it is to hear those things, uh, to be with someone uh, hours, minutes, hours before they pass is a privilege. Uh, I remember those. And I know there's a lot more, and I could name more people. Uh, maybe some of you are glad I didn't name you. You're welcome. Uh, but I, I, it, it's not literally forgetting. Um, I'm not going to preach about you by name at, at the new church. I'm not going to do that. I may have this nebulous comment about something, you know, but you're not going to be able to say, hey, you know, he's, he just called me out in the new church. No, not won't do that. Um, remembering can be very, very beneficial. And I hope, that, um, I hope that God keeps bringing those back to me. And I hope he brings them back to you, the, the fond stuff. And if there was negative stuff, I pray that he let you just help you let that go. Um, and that uh, anything, I, I don't feel like I'm carrying anything, so I can, I can hopefully let that go, anything that Brink comes up as well. So I want to keep going. Man, I could, I could talk forever on that, but I think I hit most of the stuff. Um, oh, the other thing I'd just say just briefly, um, everyone that looked up at me to pray, to pray to receive Christ, and some of you are in this room right now, and you know who you are. Um, I remember that. I remember those eyes. Number two. So if, if forgetting does not mean literally a forgetting or being oblivious, uh, what does it mean? And I'll say this. We forget by not allowing our successes to satisfy us or our failures to slow us in our pursuit of Christ. Can we just say it like that? Like when he says forgetting, he means 
I count all things a loss. That's earlier in chapter 3. We read it earlier, right? I count a loss. It's rubbish. I leave that stuff behind. I forget about it. There's some good stuff back there, but I'm not going to let it stop me in my race to know Christ better. I'm going to forget about it. I'm not going to let that stuff satisfy me. Think about that word, satisfy. Think about the great things from your past. Think about the mountaintop experiences you've had with the Lord. Think about the great things he's done. And maybe you haven't seen some of those things really recently. Are you satisfied with that stuff? Is it, is it like the football championship trophy you know, that you put up? Is, is it like that award that you always point to? Is it like the plaque on the wall? Look what I did. Look, look, look what I accomplished. Is that how you are when it comes to your successes? That they need to be commemorated forever? Don't allow them to satisfy you. I think about, um, I think about Peter, James, and John and Jesus and they go up on the mountaintop, which maybe that's where we get our term mountaintop experiences, like spiritual experiences. I don't know. Maybe that's where it comes from. But they go up on the mountain, and Jesus is, is shining in all of his glory. And isn't it Moses and Elijah are next to him? And, and it's like all of that, right? I mean, it's all of that, that, that glory. And Peter doesn't know what to say. And so, because he always talks, he says, let's set up tents. Let's put tents up here on the mountain. And maybe he's thinking of like Old Testament, tabernacle, meet God in the tent. We can have people come up the mountain and we're all going to like meet him here and sing songs together, you know. I, I don't know what he's thinking, but, but I think he means I want to camp out here forever. Can I just live my life up here on the mountain with these three glorious beings? One of them is the Christ and, he, and he's here and I see him for who he is. Let's just stay here. But Jesus can't stay there. He has to go down the mountain and to his death, right? Like it, it says shortly after that, he starts to talk to them about how he has to die. That's like the next thing in the passage. Don't tell anyone what you've seen here. And he starts talking about dying. And I think we're like Peter, right? Where if, if you had a good experience the last six years, it's like, I want to stay in this place. This is a good place. I learned some good things and I like the guy that was preaching and, and whatever. But... But God invites you to come down the mountain. There'll be more. There'll be more experiences. There'll be more places to grow. The reality is you can't camp out there. You've got places to go in your faith that you have not gone yet. And as much as you want to set up tents somewhere, it can't happen. May your successes not satisfy you. And may your failures not slow you down. It goes the other way too, right? Because some of you remember like big things you've done. Big sins, big mess ups, things that you did or maybe things that have been done to you. And those things slow you down. And you remember and you're angry and you're, and instead of looking at Christ, you're looking at the person or you're, or you're looking at yourself. I mean, look, even when you, even when you look at yourself and you and, 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 and you and you spend time dwelling on what you have done, what you yourself have done, even that is a form of self centeredness, maybe even pride. Like when you always think of you, even though it's you that did bad things, that's another form of self centeredness. And we want to get rid of all of that and be Christ centered. 
You've got to let that stuff go because it's slowing you down. It's baggage. He says, forget what lies behind. Um, I've, t- I've told some of you this. Maybe I, t- I don't remember if I told all of you this, but uh, when I was invited down to um, meet the folks at Grace Church, they asked me to speak in front of a group of like 50. They were like ministry leaders and spouses. And as we're driving down, we were, we were driving down uh, 39, and, and Christy asked me what I am going to, what I was going to speak about that night to that group of 50. And uh, it was like half an hour, like kind of like a sermon length thing. And I said, I'm going to tell them my top five ministry failures. And she said, are you crazy? Like, are, are, you, are you trying to sabotage this whole thing, you know? And it's a good question, right? I mean, you kind of want to put your best foot forward when you interview, right? And, but I was convicted of Second um, Corinthians 12, where Paul says, I'm going to boast in weakness. And I'm not going to come with eloquent words, because I want the power of God to rest on me. And that's what I wanted. I, I wanted the Lord to, to show up, and I wanted his will and not my own, and not Christie's own, and not Grace's own, and not Three Lakes' own. I wanted his will. And so one of the, one of the, most, one of the most personal and difficult questions to answer in this move, I'll tell you what it is, and it relates to this passage. I didn't know I was going to preach this again until Tuesday afternoon. But one of the most difficult questions I had to answer in my own heart is, is moving back to central Illinois, is, is, is that looking backwards or looking forwards? You know what I mean? Because it's where I grew up. It's home. It feels like home. And I was determined not to make a decision that would be backward glancing or backwards, you know, in backwards motion. I want to move forward. And if forward means a return to where I grew up, then I'm able to do that. But I'm just telling you, that was probably the hardest question to answer in this whole thing. Is this moving forward or backward? And I had to know for sure whether I was moving forward. And I believe the Lord um, gave me that answer so that I could walk confidently in it and not, um, not with any doubt. Um, <clears throat> can I say at this juncture, the other thing that I know, um, I, I didn't know where I was going to insert this, but I'll insert it now. Um, you know, my kids, um, Derek Braden, Caitlin Grayson, I know this is not an easy transition. I know it's not... Um, I do know the Lord has it for us and that he's going to go with us. And I just wanted to say that I'm, I'm, very, I'm very proud of how you guys have handled the emotion of that, because it is. I'm very proud of that. I know it hasn't been easy, and I know there's all those feelings, because I've felt them too. Um, but, but I'm encouraged by how you've handled it. And I want to say uh, to Christy, before I go to point three, um, you know, I said it before, You've heard me say this, but there's something incredibly special about having your wife pray you into the pulpit. I know you don't do it every week. I know that. Or have even sing you into the pulpit. 
as you do. Um, I, I don't know if that's something I'm going to do. We're not going to have that every Sunday. I understand that. But for the last six years, every other week, that's been what I've, that's been a blessing. It's been special to me to have that. Um, and you never, ever, after I bombed a sermon, ever said they were bad. You never did. Ever did. Now, get you in cross-training and get you asking questions, that could be a whole other story. But, but, you never said it was bad. You might ask some, some good questions, though. All right? Um, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Um, one thing that helps me is, you know, even seeing the life of Barnabas uh, in Acts, he returns home to Cyprus at a certain point in his ministry when, it, when he separates from Paul and, and you know, kind of saying, it's, sometimes this is what we do. We go back to where we kind of came from, and I can, I can do that confidently. Okay, uh, number three. Number three. Um, let's talk about the straining forward. This is where we need to land here. We strain forward so that our complete focus is on Christ our prize. We are straining forward. That word is only used one time in the entire New Testament, and it's this verse. Straining. I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek word. It is so long. It is scary. Never heard it before. But, but it's this idea of all of your focus, all of your muscles, all of your determination. Every inch of the way is, is, is pointed this way. It, well, for you, it's pointed that way. Sorry. Um, it's, it, it's forward focus. You're straining forward with everything you've got because forward is the finish line. We are future focused. We said that before, right? Because Christ is resurrected. He is alive. If he was dead in the grave, we all have to look back. But we can look forward because he's alive. And we also look forward because that's the only way to grow. It's the only way to grow. And, and I think about this. We sang about hope. A couple times this morning, uh, I don't remember exactly the songs and the words at the, this very moment, but we sang a lot about hope. Hope is forward-focused. You want to meet a person that lives in the past, they're probably going to be a more hopeless person. If you live in the past, it makes you hopeless because our hope lies in front of us. It lies in Christ. Because one day, He is going to finish the work that he started. It's going to be completed. One day we're going to see him face to face. One day we are going to know fully, even as we are fully known. One day we are going to be swallowed up in high and deep and wide and amazing love. That's your destination. And you're not there yet. You haven't been made perfect yet. That stuff lies ahead. And so we can say honestly, it's very trite, but I'm going to say it anyway because I know it's true. There, there is a sense and we can say and know it with confidence, our best days are ahead. What, whether they're difficult days, I'm not saying that. Whether they're easy or hard or whatever, I'm saying the best are ahead because tr- Christ's return is ahead of us. Christ's return is ahead of us. And, and, and the days of your spiritual life, if you want to be at the point you're at right now forever with, with where you've grown spiritually, well then fine, stay there. We call that being stagnant, though. But if you want to go forward, you're going to look into the future and see the places you have not grown yet. And I believe with this pastoral transition, this is part of the plan to get you there. This is part of the plan to get you there. So, um, 
I want to, I want to, I have one more thing to say. 20 minutes, start the clock, okay? Um, two more things I want to say. Um, so uh, on August 7th, 1954, the British Empire Games were held in Vancouver, Canada. They called it the Miracle Mile because you had these two guys, the only two guys that did the below four-minute mile at the time, right? The only two guys, Bannister and Landy. Am I saying that right, Landy? Landy was Australian. Uh, Bannister was British. Yeah, it's, it's Sir Bannister, right? He, he's got the Sir in front of his name, right? Um, Bannister versus Landy. Bannister's British. Landy's Australian. These are the only two guys that could do the mile in faster than four minutes. And they're ready to race, and, and, and they go, and they're running, and, and they, are, they are at the peak of their physical conditioning, right? And, and Bannister's strategy was during lap three, he was going to relax a little bit, you know, like he was going to take it easy a little bit on lap three so that the final lap he could turn it on with everything he had left. But the problem was, uh, Landy, he was, he was just, he turned it up a notch in lap three. I mean, he poured it on in lap three. And so Bannister, he had, to, he had to respond to that, and he had to turn it up a notch too. And so during lap three, uh, um, Bannister is trying to close the distance between them that was developing. By lap four, by the final lap, they were like neck and neck, right? I mean, they were like right there. And then Landy turned it up another notch. And, and Bannister thought, they're... I am probably not going to be able to catch him unless he slows down. I don't think I'm going to catch him. And while they were turning the corner for the last, like the last leg of the race, the very last portion of that race, they were like, again, they they came in like pace for pace, neck and neck. And the crowd was roaring. Landy had had a slight, just a slight edge, and, and the crowd's yelling, and, and, and Landy, in that moment, he could not hear Bannister's footsteps, his running steps that you would hear when you're racing somebody. And so he turned to look to see where Bannister was. He looked back, he broke his concentration, and Bannister just passed him up and won by five yards. Won by five yards. This is the picture. This is the picture. That is the look. That is the look of the person who is glancing back and about to lose. So can I ask you a question as you stare at that picture? Which one are you? At this point in your life right now. Not ten years ago. Forget that stuff. Where are you at right now? And my prayer is for you, that you would be looking ahead with your eyes on Christ. Let me ask you this. What would it take to get you to look ahead? What needs to change about your life right now so that you would look forward instead of looking back? Can you answer that? Do you know what that would look like? The board is uh, still looking at interim, you know, stuff, an interim pastor. I know they're narrowing that down really well. This will be 
a really good interim time if you can keep looking forward and not looking back. That's my charge to you. That's what I'd like you to walk out of here with. We got some great days ahead if we all keep our eyes on the prize. The prize in verse 14 is Christ. And Paul talks about the prize differently, right? He says, knowing Christ, becoming like Christ, attaining Christ. He has a lot of different words for it, but it's like, I just want Christ. I want the resurrection of the dead where I get to be with him. Um, so I'm over. I knew I was going to. Um, you know, I, I wanted to show you one thing, too, because I think you need to see this. You know that verse um, in James 1, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights? Um, okay, so <clears throat> over, someone told me this recently and, and gave me this idea. I, I didn't come up with that on my own, but... Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of encouragement cards over the years from you. I just wanted to get them out. Um, I was told by the EFCA that um, I should keep cards that I receive from people because there would be hard days and I need to look back at them. Well, there were hard days. I didn't look back at them much, and I want to tell you why. I mean, I read them and I've kept them. I didn't look back at them much because they just kept coming. Like, I always had new stuff to read. This is not even my email. This is just physical stuff. We don't, even, we don't do this anymore as a society, do we, right? We email. I didn't even print out my emails. I, that would take me forever. This is just cards. And uh, it's, it's your words to me over the years. And I've kept them all. I didn't have to look for them and wonder where they were. I knew right where they were. And I've just added to them over the years. Like this one, this one just came last month, you know. Um, So I just want to say thank you for the encouragement. And um, I want to turn it around and like lay this as the gift for the Lord because this is your faith in action. Um, This is... um, my health and ministry partially is, is your encouragement in my life. And as you've blessed me, I want to bless the Lord for this. And then I'll invite whatever's going to happen next. So I'm going to lay this down. I just want to pray, and uh, then we'll, we'll do whatever's next. Father, um, I want to turn around now, Lord, and give you thanks and give you praise for all of these encouraging words, because I know, I know this, that if you didn't use me, and if you don't use human beings, there's not a lot to write about. That if you don't use this, this gift of preaching for something good, this gift of shepherding for something helpful, then not a lot happens in this place. Um, but it does happen. And this church is full of, of teachers and encouragers and exhorters and servers and helpers and worshipers. This church is full of that because you have blessed it with the Holy Spirit and given spiritual gifts. And so, Lord, for all that I have heard about me, 
and how great I am, Lord, my, my desire is to say how great you are. Because you have done this. And I pray that, that, I pray that, well, as I've always prayed, that you would keep helping me decrease so that you might increase. And would you help all of us in this church keep our eyes forward on the future, on the horizon, because that's where Christ is, ready to return at any moment. May we be looking, may we be watchful. In his name we pray. Amen.